unbelievable. Well, I, I know it looks unbelievable, but that's the great part about it because we're talking the Lord here. And uh, But anyway, uh, I want us to start here because there's something that Peter says, and I just want to give you a little background for Peter. Uh, one day, this is Luke chapter 5, reading out of the Living Bible. <clears throat> anyway, one day as he was preaching on the shore of the lake Gennesaret, great crowds. Now let's get the message. It was great crowds. Sometimes we think Jesus was there with a couple of homeless people. It was huge, huge. They pressed in on him. So it wasn't like, oh man, they had a great cloud. Crowd, that was about 50. No, it was so bad, what'd he do? Uh, they pressed to listen to him, listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats standing by the water's edge while the fishermen washed their nets. Stepping in to one of the boats, Jesus asked, that's the guy we're looking at, Simon, we've heard of him, Peter, its owner, to push out a little bit in the water so that he could sit in the boat and speak to the crowd from there. Now, wait a minute. Don't we need to know what he said? Well, we pick up on that later. Look, notice the flow. That's not what this story's about. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now sometimes we think this is backwards. Just like thinking, you know, Natalie's got to go to the doctor. That's, that's something else. That's it. No, this is front center. It's important. It's important. Now watch this. Go out into the deep where you can let down your nets and you'll catch a lot of fish. I don't know, might not be, you know, the Lord's will. Not. Look, you go back to Genesis, it was abundance, abundance, abundance. We're the one that messed it all up. But trusting the Lord still keeps us in the realm of abundance. Now watch this. He said, you'll catch a lot of fish. Sir, Simon replied, we worked hard last uh, all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. And this time their nets were so full, they began to tear. Now remember, we're looking at this story. I wonder if any of that applies to us. Yes, it does. Why get all our hopes up for nothing? We're talking Jesus, and he's the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. Boy, there was so much, they were on the verge of sinking. Now, they weren't exaggerating like Bob. He's a big bass pro fisherman all his life, you know. But now, I mean, oh, he ain't lying, but I'm just saying, you know how the stories get. You know, oh, we had a boatload. He didn't have a boatload. They had a basket full of fish, you know. This was a boatload, and it was sinking the boat. And don't think this was a John boat. We keep thinking these people are poor people or whatever. Man, Simon wasn't a poor person. I mean, he had his own home, had his mother-in-law living with him. Anyway, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, please, uh, sir, leave me. I'm too much, look at that, I'm too much of a sinner for you to have around. Of course, the Lord doesn't listen to that. I mean, it, We've all made mistakes, and we're all bearing what Adam did anyway. By one man's offense, death reigned. Woo! Well, we've added to it, but boy, <clears throat> you're never going to be able to pay for your... I mean, it's ridiculous. But this is just his response. He's like, oh, I, I'm, I don't deserve any of this. Well, Jesus knew that anyway. He's still going to bless you. I'm too much of a sinner. But anyway, he was awestruck by the size of their catch. Now, that's what's so wonderful. And the Lord doesn't want us throwing that away. We should be awestruck at night by looking at the stars, the sun, and the moon, and all that glory. It didn't get here by evolution. Man, there's clocks out there constantly that show there's no way. I mean, just look up young earth and look up some things. They say, wow, 4.5 billion years old. And then one guy who's an a expert on the sun says, our sun couldn't have survived 4 point something billion years old. And you go, mm, wonder what that is. Well, yeah. 
But anyway, it's a lot of times we just think this stuff is it never happened. We're gonna have a hard time believing that Jesus never did happen and these stories weren't real. They they did. Okay. And that's actually where I'm going. So this is a story about Peter when he first finds Peter. So he was all struck at the size of the catch. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, a couple of made-up fellas for a good story. No, it wasn't either. Hmm. We got their genealogy a little bit. Sons, he says, Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for men. Now, let's speed ahead a little bit. I mean, a lot. Actually, it wouldn't have been that long, probably about 10 years. Let's go see what happened in the book of Acts here, chapter 5. All right, let me get down here to, uh, let's see. I want to see this. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Hang on a second. Passed it a little bit right there. I'm in five, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Look at this. Anyway, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that at least he never existed. Oh, yeah, he did too. Somebody wrote these things down. At least his Peter's shadow would fall across some of them when he went by. Man. And crowds came in from Jerusalem, suburbs, bringing their sick folk, and they, they were possessed with demons, and every one of them was healed. Praise the Lord. Now, we could keep going because Peter also, he raised Dorcas from the dead. They went and got him. They said, hey, so-and-so died. Come up here quick. Well, why bother? Well, they knew Peter knew something. Okay. And then some other incidents happen. But let's speed ahead because guess what? We got a book over here that's got his name on it. First and Second Peter. I want to go to Second Peter chapter 2. And let's see what this guy who is a nobody and probably a liar. No, he's not a liar. I'm just making fun of this, okay? This is the man that was, he told Jesus, leave me alone. This is too much. This is too many fish and all that. Uh, let's see, there's a little story here he gets into. Let's make sure I get down here to it. Uh, here we go, right here. So what do we see? Now, Peter's just talking about, man, the end's coming. End time is coming. And basically, we can see a lot of crazy things going out there in our world. It's just like the days when everybody was eating and drinking and marrying and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, the flood came. So that's what he's naming here. So let's pick up right. It says, train themselves to be greedy and are doomed and cursed. They have gone off the road and become like a fable. I mean, it's a fable. Balaam was a... It was not a fable. It was an actual incident. And we're going to look at it in just a moment. Okay. Balaam, the son of Beor. In other words, here's genealogy again. It's not like, well, you know, let's, let's pull a name out of a hat here. No. Who fell in love with the love of money and could... Uh, and uh, Excuse me. Who fell in love with the money he could make by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped by his mad, I mean, from his mad course when his donkey spoke to him with a human voice, scolding and rebuking him. And I hear people go, <laughs> the Bible, a talking donkey. <laughs> and I'm like, why didn't you mention the talking snake in Genesis 3? See, I didn't even think about that one. They were told to laugh at that story and try to make it all say that it just never happened. I'm, I'm tell you what. The Lord's a genius. He created all of us. I mean, the missing link is still missing, you know. All the bones they found thinking it was monkey, monkey, monkey. They find out it was parts of animals. It wasn't parts of any. It was actually just humans just like us. And I get tickled. I, if you didn't know, you can do your own research on it. But, uh, oh, oh, oh. What's the name of that? Uh, 
not Cro-Magnon, but what is it? Uh, Neanderthal. Neanderthal, I always heard. Did you know that's a man's last name? And guess who? I have a hymnal here somewhere. The uh, Neanderthal is, uh, I don't have a hymn. i got to keep going. But anyway, Neanderthal, it was the, the Neanderthal Valley. And, but anyway, and the guy that found it, his last name was ne- Neander. And he wrote, crown him with many crowns, the Lord upon his throne. He found it walking down the road one day, saw some rocks and kicked it. And now the gravel was a pretty good sized skull of a man. And even back then, remember, they, it wasn't like we had institutions just crop up in the late 1950s. Institutions have been around. Yale and all these other, or, uh, Oxford, all these uh, universities have been there since the 1100, 1200, 1300. All these universities were, and they already determined when they saw that, they said, it's a human, it's a human. It wasn't until later somebody come along and said, why, well, that's a big monkey right there. Actually, it's a caveman. But anyway, back to this. So this guy, Balaam, the son of Beor, who fell in love with money, could make by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey spoke to him with a human voice, scolding him and rebuking him. Well, Peter, who we know, okay, obviously one of the Lord's disciples, he was in the book of Acts, and now he brings up something controversial. No, it's not controversial. See, the Bible assumes we believe all these things. Well, let's go back here and see where that took place. That's in the book of Numbers. And let's see. I believe it's 26. Let me get over it. We'll see in just a second. Oh, there it was past it. All right, here we go. Yeah, okay. Now, <clears throat> We're in the book of Numbers. You got Genesis, Exodus. It's almost kind of it. Genesis means beginning. I was at a big briefing with missiles and defense the other day, and it was so funny. One guy stood up and says, "Well, the genesis of this," and that's a good word because it's talking about beginning. Okay, now, oh, uh, the book of Genesis. You can actually once you get past Noah, you're already at Abraham, and then it's Abraham all the way to the end of Genesis. And that's Joseph at Pharaoh. They're in Egypt. And then you pick up with Exodus. Exodus means to exit. And sure enough, Moses was brought on the scene and he didn't want to go, you know. But the Lord talked him into it. And then all of a sudden after the Lord shows out, boy, all of those Jewish people come out in a huge crowd. They head straight over to the promised land and they made a mess of things. They said, we can't go in there. There's no way. If they could just remember what the Lord did to Egypt, they would have went in. It was like... And you can read it for yourself. It was their unbelief, and they got in trouble over it. So 40 years, they wander in the wilderness. Matter of fact, um, the, the chapter, it's, either, it's right here somewhere. All of them that had come out of Egypt, those that were 20 years and older, had already passed away. So they're almost on the verge of being in the promised land again after 40 years. So here we go. The people of Israel now traveled to the plains of Moab. Oh, I don't know what that is. If you've been reading Genesis, you would. Guess who Moab was? Lot had two daughters. Right after Sodom and Gomorrah went up in smoke. Because they ran out of there real quick. Well, the angel said, get out of here, drug them out. Okay. Anyway, Lot's daughters had two sons. One was named Moab. The other one was something else, but it was uh, that's where the Ammonites came from. So these are some of Lot's descendants. Anyway, uh, Abraham's nephew. People that never existed. Man, listen, we all come from Noah's three kids. They all got wiped out except for Noah and the eight. You know, it's interesting. Over 300 civilizations in the world today have a story about a flood. What's up with that? Chinese have one. And the, and the guy that was on the boat was named Nuhu. 
Hello? New who? Must be Noah. Whatever. Anyway, let's get back to this. So anyway, they camped by the east of the Jordan River opposite Jericho. When King Balak, and now it's interesting too, when you read the scriptures, you always see references to places. And if you go do a little work and just do a little research, you'll find out, well, that was just the other side of Decatur, a real place. <laughs> so we're getting some help here for a reason because this is going to be so miraculous. It's like, that's, I don't know if I can believe it or not. Oh, believe it, believe it. Just like when Peter filled the Lord, uh, when, when the Lord filled Peter's boat, it just, it, it, it couldn't gather, you know, he just couldn't process how blessed he was going to be. And that's just what's going to happen. Same thing for us. Anyway, so they realized how many of them there were, the king, this king of Balak was. And when they learned uh, what they had done to the Amorites, he and his people were terrified. Now remember, the Israelites had no business being afraid going into the promised land. Here's an example of, we'll call it the bad guys, and all of a sudden they see the Jews coming up here, and now they're the ones that are petrified. Remember the story in Joshua about the walls of Jericho? The two spies that went in there, they found out that the whole place was shaking in their boots. They were scared of the Israelites because the, uh, the Joshua, I mean, excuse me, uh, the walls of Jericho, excuse me, the people of Jericho had heard what had happened in Egypt 40 years ago and had heard what happened in the chapters just prior to this. And then a few more wars are going to be on this side. So these guys are scared. Remember, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Lord's on our side. Whom shall I be afraid? Okay. Anyway, they, can, they quickly consulted with the leaders of Midian. This mob will eat us alive like an ox eats grass, they exclaimed. So Balak sent messengers to, there's that guy Peter referenced, Balaam, son of Beor, who was, okay. <clears throat> All right, see what he was. He was living in his land uh, of Pethar near the Euphrates River. He begged Balaam to come and help him. Now, what's Balaam going to do? Well, he was sort of a prophet. A vast horde of people have arrived from Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth and are headed toward me, he frantically explained. He said, please come and curse them for me so that I can drive them out of my land. For I know what fantastic blessings fall on those whom you bless, and I also know that those whom you cursed are doomed. The messengers he sent were from the top leaders of Moab in Midian. They went to Balaam with money in hand urgently. Well, they got a lot of money? Okay. We're going to pay you to come do this. And they explained to Balak uh, what, what they wanted. Stay here overnight, Balaam said, and I'll tell you in the morning whatever the Lord directs me to say. So they did. Well, that night, God came to Balaam and asked him, who are these men? Oh, no, that night, God came to Balaam and asked him, yeah, who, who are these men? They've come from King Balak uh, of Moab. Now, it's not like God didn't know that, but he's trying to get you to realize this. Okay. He replied, the king says that a vast horde of people from Egypt have arrived at his border, and he wants to go at once and curse them in hope that, oh, anyway, it'll stop the Israelites, stop Moses or whatever. And he can do battle uh, successfully. Now, remember, you've got to understand, Balaam doesn't know any of that. He doesn't know who these people are. Now, look what God says. Don't do it. You're not to curse them, for I have. He didn't say, I will. He said, I have blessed them. Now, remember what God told Abraham years ago. I'll bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that curse you. And he also said, and all families of the earth will be blessed because of you. That's something sometimes we don't, we don't get. We think it was just Abraham. But it was because of what Abraham did, we get these blessings. It's really so fantastic. 
Let me give you, we're going to come right back to this. Let me show you in just, oh, how strong that is. In Genesis chapter, oh, it's 26. Abraham's already passed away. His son Isaac is now alive. And look what happened. Severe famine. Oh, my goodness, this is terrible. But now look what uh, God says to his, his, you say his grandson. You know, I mean, not his grandson, but his, uh, you know, Abraham's son. He's saying the same thing. I will be with you. Now, remember, what are we doing reading this? I don't care if they're blessed. How does that affect me? Wait, it's for us, too. I will bless you, give you all this land. Now, notice this. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as stars. I'll give them all these lands. They'll be a blessing. La da 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 da. I will do this because Abraham obeyed my commandments and laws. Well, see, that's the same thing with Jesus. See, Jesus, he was the only one that was able to, you know, obey the Lord. And he's, that's how we have so much mercy today. But he said, I'll do this because of Abraham. Anyway, Isaac, you can keep reading. And uh, boy, he sowed in the land, got a hundredfold. Some tremendous things were going on. Now, let's go back to numbers here and get right back at it. Numbers, ah, where are we at? Like flipping through the Bible, except we're flipping a mouse. Okay, here we go. Oh, let's see. Back up one more. Still not far. Here we are. There we go. Okay. So, he said, uh, um, don't do it. Verse 12, verse 13. The next morning, Balaam told the men, go home. The Lord won't let me do it. Wow. So, Balak's ambassadors returned home and reported his refusal. Well, let's up the offer. That's the reason Peter said he did it for money. Balak tried again. This time he sent a larger number and even more distinguished ambassadors from the former group. They came to Balaam with this message. King Balak pleads with you to come. He promises you great honors and all these things. You know, sometimes today we think blessing means nothing. It means nothing. Well, if it means nothing, what are we wasting our time talking about it? I'll tell you, when God says we're blessed, we are so blessed. It really are. And it covers all the realms of your life. So let's keep going here. Watch this. Anyway, uh, they brought this message. King Balak says, hey, look, please come. Come on. We need you. He promises you great honors plus any payment. Boy, this is, this is endless. Name your price. Only come and curse these people. Well, Balaam said, if you give me a palace filled with silver and gold, I can't do nothing contrary to the commandment of the Lord my God. That's one good thing to know. It's kind of like I hope God is really watching my backside. Trust me, he really is. He really is. I mean, but Moses didn't even know this was going on. Nobody knew. Anyway, however, stay here the night and I'll see whether or not the Lord changes his mind. Let me go ask him again. <laughs> anyway, that night the Lord told Balaam, hey, you get up and go with these men, but be sure to say only what I tell you. Anyway, the next morning, here comes a donkey. Fable part. These are not fables, and it's just fascinating when you see about angels, which the Bible never says, well, I hope they believe us. Man, angels are real. They're there. And they're there for a reason. Praise the Lord. Okay. So the next morning he saddled his donkey, started off with them, but God was angry about Balaam's eager attitude. And so what happened? Boy, I tell you what, he was going to stop him. He sent an angel to stand in the road to kill him. Wow! And Balaam and his two servants were riding along, and they're having a good time, you know, clicking along six, seven miles an hour, whatever. Balaam's donkey suddenly saw something we know never existed. Yes, they exist. Saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword. Boy, where have we seen this before? Genesis chapter 3. What if they eat the, the tree of life and live forever? So they put an angel at the tree of life with a sword drawn. But you weren't getting in there, you know. Okay. Anyway, so the, she bolted off, the donkey did, into the field. 
Oh, Balaam, boy, he, he beat the tar out of her. Uh, back on the road. Now the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road between two vineyard walls. Now, again, why do we have these details? Well, why would Bob tell us he cast just underneath that limb right there? It actually happened, you know. He hooked into that thing and it went this way. It wrapped around the boat and everything. I mean, you got the details. This is a real story. Peter's on the line here. Peter wrote about this. Okay. So anyway, oh, now the angel stood, okay, between two vineyards. Now here's, this is kind of funny. When the donkey saw him standing there, she squirmed past to, just watch, the Living Bible really makes it kind of funny. <clears throat> oh, the donkey saw him standing there. She squirmed past by pressing against the wall, crushing Balaam's foot in the process. So he beat her again. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place so narrow that the donkey couldn't get by at all. She lay in the road. In a great fit of temper, Balaam beat her again with his staff. Wow, I tell you what. Now, this is mercy here. Because that angel was sent to knock you off. Now the Lord calls the donkey to speak. What have I done that deserves me? you beating me these three times. And now he's replying back. Because you've made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. I wish I had a sword with me. I'd kill you. Have I, now notice, now the donkey is saying again, have I ever done anything like this before in my entire life? The donkey asked. Now don't forget, the serpent spoke in, in Genesis chapter 3. So this, this is not like, oh, don't worry about it. No, he admitted. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel in the roadway with a drawn sword. Oh, whew. And he fell flat on the ground before the angel. Let's see what happened. Yeah. Oh, he says, why did you beat your donkey the three times the angel demanded? <laughs> I've come to stop you because you are headed for destruction. Three times the donkey saw me and sheed away from me. Otherwise, I would have certainly killed you by now and spared her. Then Balaam confessed, I've sinned. I didn't realize you were there. I will go back home if you don't want me to. No, the angel says, no, I want you to go. No, I want you to go. But just say what I say. So Balaam went on from them. And King Balak heard that Balaam was on the way. It's kind of Balaam and Balak. Just watch this. Balak is the king and Balaam's this prophet guy. So he left the capital and went down to meet him at the Arnon River. Now, one thing, you need to watch this. These are not a bunch of homeless people, bozos. This guy was a king and he had a capital. Now, maybe their real estate may not be as big as some nations or whatever, but boy, they had some borders. They really did. And they had money to pay and they had and remember, Balaam had mentioned, if you give me a palace full of what? Silver and gold? Okay. So he said, why would you delay so long? Asked, he asked Balaam. Didn't, didn't you believe me when I said I'd give you a lot of great honors? Balaam said, well, I've come, but I have no power to say anything but accept what God says. And that's what I'm going to speak. Well, Balaam went with uh, the king. They're just going to go set up a place. Oh, oh. Anyway, Balaam accompanied the king to this place. We'll just say it's the other side of Florence, okay? Where King Balak sacrificed ox and sheep and gave animals to Balaam and, uh, and the ambassadors for sacrifice. The next morning, Balak took Balaam on top of uh, this great mountain where he could see the people of Israel. Now, remember, what, what did God tell Moses about these people? Was it just a few? It's like the sand of the sea. And they had a pillar of fire by night, and they had air conditioning in the daytime, a cloud, you know. This was a massive group of people, and they were being fed by what? Manna? And they had water? They were doing all right. It was just a miracle what was going on. Anyway, okay, so that ends that. So here we go. So what happens? So they get up on this big mountain so they can see them. Now Balaam asked the king, build seven altars here, prepare seven. You know, let's just have a sacrifice here. 
And Balak followed his instructions. Then Balak said to the king, stand by the burnt offerings and I'll see if the Lord will meet me and I'll tell you what he says. So he went up to the barren height and God met him there. And Balaam told the Lord, he said, well, okay, I've got these, these sacrifices for you, whatever. Anyway, the Lord gave Balaam a message for the king. Now, this is what kind of blows uh, the king away. Okay. So Balaam returned to the king and standing by the burnt offerings with the princes of Moab, the descendants of who? Lot's kids. This was Balaam's message. King Balaam, king of Moab, has brought me from the land of Aram, from the eastern mountains. Come, he told me. Curse Jacob for me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now we're hearing about Jacob. Well, yeah, that's like a third of the book of Genesis, and you can't stop, stomp Jacob out. I mean, everything Jacob got a hold of turned to gold. The coat of many colors was his son. He thought his son was dead, gone forever. You'll never see him again. All of a sudden, his brothers say, his sons say, uh, Dad, we got something we got to tell you. <laughs> uh, your son got good news. Good news and bad news. Good news is he's alive and he's second to Pharaoh. The bad news is we lied to you all these years. <laughs> we sold him as a slave. Now you be nice to us, whatever. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, the story was uh, Jacob got to spend 18 years with a son that he thought was gone. Ah, the mercy of God. Amazing. Of course, it never happened. It was just, no, it did happen. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Let your anger rise on Israel. But how can I curse? Look at this. Now, this is why we got the details. How can I curse what God has not cursed? Now, I was reading the other day, and I watched, I saw it coming, because uh, you've heard the story a bunch of times, that they just got into Jerusalem, Right after Jesus cleared the temple, actually just before he did it, and all of a sudden these mothers bring their kids in there. And boy, I mean, the disciples were like, no, we ain't got time for that. No, we ain't got time for that. No. Boy, Jesus was hot under the collar about that. All they wanted to do was be blessed by Jesus. What do you mean just be blessed? Just sit back there. No, there was something to this. And Jesus said, you let them come. Suffer the children to come. He said, unless we start acting like little kids, we're not ever going to get into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. So he said, how can I bless what God has not cursed? Boy, now remember, this is really ticking the king off. How can I denounce a people God has not denounced? And, and uh, excuse me, I lost my place here. Let me, oh, yeah. Now think about that. Now do you think God's up there today changing his mind? He wants to denounce you? Of course not. We're looking at the mercy of Jesus. It's a good picture of him standing in Revelation 3.20 at your heart's door knocking. That's not a church. It's that whoever hears my voice, that's your personal heart. It's not even written to the world. It's written to a Christian. Sometimes we just kind of lock the doors and we go, I'm out here by myself. And no, we're not. He said, I see them from the clifftops. I watch them from the hills. They live alone and prefer to remain distinct from every other nation. They are as numerous as the dust. Look what else he says here. Oh, my goodness. They are beyond numbering. Well, that's what the Lord said. Look what Balaam says. If I could die as happy as an Israelite. Well, I thought being a Christian was a sad thing. No, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. God will take care of whatever Mickey Mouse problem we have going on right now. He will. Even when some of these Israelites got captured, went into captivity. Quick little story, 2 Kings 5. Naaman, who was a great general in the army, but what? He had skin cancer, leprosy. Well, he had captured a little maid and gave him to his wife. And that little maid was one of these happy Israelites. And she liked her new boss. 
And she said, you know what? If you tell your husband to go back to Israel, there's somebody over there that'll get that skin cancer off of him. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, apparently Naaman believed it, but he almost lost it. But you know the story. He goes over there, jumps in the Jordan River seven times after the prophet said do that, and whoo, a miracle. But what's so interesting is why did that little Israelite slave girl know that? Well, she was living as a happy Israelite. Psalm 20 says, may the God of Jacob protect you. We'll go read about Jacob. Jacob got out of trouble everywhere he went. He thought he was going to get killed, but he didn't. Praise the Lord. Thought he lost his son one time. 20 years later, or 25, he sees him again. He said, oh, and that my end might be like theirs. Well, I'll give you a little hint. A few chapters later, it ain't like them because he, wounds up, he, he, he gets himself in trouble. But the point is, look what happened. Oh, what have you done to me, the king demanded. I told you to curse my enemies, and now you've blessed them. Balaam said, can I say anything except what Jehovah tells me? Balaam said, come with me to another place, and, and let's see if you'll curse them there. So he took him to this other place, built those altars again. Balaam said, hey, stand here while I go talk to the Lord. Anyway, the Lord met with him and said, hey, just say what I say. So he returned to the king, and he said, uh, what did he say? <laughs> Look what he says. He says, rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, you son of Zippor, you know, the lighter, whatever. God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't change his mind like humans do. Has he ever promised? Oh, my gosh, he has promised. He said, I'm going to bless you. That's the first thing he told Adam and Eve. Be fruitful, multiply. He blessed them. Wow. Without doing what he says? He says, look, I have command to bless them and God has blessed it. Look at that next powerful scripture. And I cannot reverse it. Praise the Lord. He has not seen sin in Jacob. He will not trouble Israel. Now, trust me, they've blown it. I mean, we've, we've all blown it. But he's talking about going after idols. I want to stay with the Lord. Okay. Jehovah, their God, is with them. Jesus is referred to in the New Testament, you know, as, uh, oh, you know, I mean, God with us. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> He's their king. He brought them out of Egypt. Wow. Oh, uh, God, excuse me, Israel is the strength of a wild ox. No curse. Look at that. No curse. You know, I'm going to have to stop here in a second, but this goes on for another chapter. But let me just, let me just stop. Let's go, we're about out of time. Oh. Uh, let me go over here to the Apostle Paul knew all this. Now look over here at the third chapter just a moment. I passed it. Start reading here. He's talking about um, Abraham. He said Abraham had the same experiences. God declared him, fit for, declared him fit for heaven because he believed God's promises. Now that's the danger we run into if we're like, well, I don't know. We get to the promised land and go, well, it looks great, but I don't think God's going to help me today. You've got to trust he's going to help you today. But anyway, stick with your faith. You can see from this that the real children of Abraham are all the men of faith who truly trust in God. Well, if we're the children of Abraham, all that stuff that Balaam was doing, he couldn't curse us. And God wasn't going to reverse it. Look at this. What's more, the scripture looked forward to this time when God would save the Gentiles. He's not just talking about going to heaven. You've got other benefits too. That's what's so great about it. Through their faith. God told Abraham about this a long ago when he said, I'll bless those in every nation who trust in me as you do. Wow. So it is all who trust in Christ share in, look at this. They share in the uh, same, look at that, same blessing Abraham received. 
Genesis 15, God said, I'll make, he said, I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. Abraham said, yeah, but what good is that if I don't have any kids? He actually says in Living Bible, what good are all your blessings if I don't have kids? And God says, hey, look at them stars. Those are going to be your kids. You know, wow. Boy. Yes, and those who depend on Jewish laws to save them are under God's curse. For the scripture points out very clearly, cursed is everyone who breaks a single one of these laws that are written in the book of the law. That's what's so interesting. I mean, you break one, we're in trouble. It's not like, well, well, there was always a sacrifice, but it's interesting to note that, man, how are we going to get out of this? So he says, consequently, it is clear that no one can ever win God's favor by trying to keep the Jewish laws because God's already said the only way to be right in his sights by faith. As the prophet Habakkuk says, the man who finds life will find it through trusting God. How differently from the way of faith is the way of the law, which says that a man is saved by doing, it's got to be every detail. Look at that, without one slip. Man, how are we ever going to do that? But Christ brought us out from under the doom of that impossible system by taking the curse for our wrongdoing upon himself. For it's written, anyone who's hanged on a tree is cursed as Jesus was uh, put on a, a wooden cross. Now look at this. God can bless the Gentiles too with the same blessing he promised Abraham. And all of us Christians have the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. So he says, and even in everyday life, promise made by one man cannot uh, to fit another is written down. Uh, anyway, it's not any good unless it's, I mean, it's, it, if it's signed and stuff, there's nothing to do about it. But God gave some promises to Abraham, his child. But anyway, let me skip down here to the very last part here. Look at this. And we now... No, excuse me. And now that we are Christ, we are the true descendants of Abraham, and all of God's promises to him belong to us. Praise the Lord. I don't know what we're facing. You know what you're facing. And the psalmist wrote, and he said, boy, he said, just talk to the Lord on your bed at night. Man, you've got, you, you've got such a link. Just like when Bob's computer wasn't working, his keyboard wasn't working, but we figured it out. We found a way to make it work, praise the Lord. But you always have a link, praise the Lord. Just whatever's on your heart before you go to bed or if something's bothering you right now, you don't have to get a hold of me or anybody else. Jacob did it all between him and the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word today. If we're not feeling good, you'll fix that just like you fixed uh, Naaman. And he had a problem. It looked like it was going to be forever, but you fixed him, and we just thank you for it. And if it's financial, it looks like you'll fix all those things too. And Lord, if it's some sort of trouble we don't even... Uh, didn't even refer about it doesn't matter you'll take care of that for us just like you said you're our shield and Lord that doesn't leave anything left but for us to be like uh, Peter and write down these stories and things that happened to us because of you in Jesus name we pray amen praise the Lord well okay